possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. Shows for the whole family. Waterbury Palace, your palace, your place. Waterbury Palace Theater, your palace. Welcome to the Palace Theater's Broadway Buzz, presented by Webster Bank. The Palace Theater is located in Waterbury, Connecticut. My name is Stuart Brown, founder of the 24-7 online Broadway radio station, SoundsofBroadway.com. If you are looking for non-stop show music, tune into Sounds of Broadway, playing the best from Off-Broadway, Broadway, and the London stage. I'll be your host for this podcast series. On our previous episode of the Broadway Buzz, we had what I would characterize as a fun, entertaining, and informative chat with Marissa Perry, a Connecticut-based actress, but we ran out of time, and we didn't even get to talk with her about her starring role on Broadway, along with her sagely advice for listeners looking to break into the business. So we invited Marissa back to continue the conversation. So welcome back. Oh, thank you. I'm happy such to a long time. <laughs> I'm going to assume people might have listened to the first episode, and at the end of the episode, you were talking about the audition process and how you actually enjoy that process as sort of like an empowerment process. So can you talk a little bit more about the audition? Because I think most you hear about most actors and actresses just dreading that callback. Yeah, it um, it boggles my mind how heady actors get about auditioning and the truth is that it's the only space we have as performers where we are in complete control i never feel more in control in power empowered than when i'm in the audition room because i i know what i've prepared and i have prepared to the point where i'm i know i'm going to do a good job and I think what really messes actors up and performers up is is what's going on behind the table. You know, who's behind the table? The casting director, the director, the this, the that, and and what mood are they in? And well, well, that's none of my business. What my job is is to enter into that room with great energy, and whatever energy they got going on has nothing to do with me. And I know because I've done it so much that I'm going to leave a great impression, regardless of, of what mood they are in. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to leave a great impression. My reputation is going to precede me, and it's going to be there when I leave the room. And that's just, I think, part of the skill of auditioning as well. Some of the ease of it comes with just doing it over and over again. Uh, but man, I love an audition, especially because, you know, when you get a, a director in there who wants to work with you in the audition space, let's say on a scene or what we call a side that they have sent you for you to rehearse. When a director wants to, you know, direct you in the audition room, that's so cool. It's like cold reading and then trying to find a character on your feet. That's what we're supposed to be good at as actors. And I love it. Because of that, you have this confidence that is sort of beaming out from you. And yeah. resonate with, like you said, the people behind the desk. If you're going in as a yeah. scared rabbit, yeah. that, people are going to know that. And even though they might want to work with you or they're, they're, they're kind of cheering for you, That could really damage your whole audition process. Yeah, I have had it happen to me 
in my career where they had already cast someone for the role that I was going in for. And when they saw me and met me in the room, they actually pulled the offer from that person and offered it to me. And I think, listen, Stu, I'm not that like crazy talented. I'm not like a sanger, like I can't blow pipes. You know, I'm, I'm a great actor and I'm a great comedian, but I'm not the most talented person they see. It's the, it's, it's um, me that they hire. It's not really my talents. And I think when you're comfortable as you, you know, in yourself as, as the actor you are, that just benefits you in your career. You don't have to be the most talented person they see. You just have to be able to be yourself and like it. Do you well, know also what, I mean? what you said, I think is so important that First of all, I don't know how you knew that the other person had already been cast and they're still... They, <laughs> and they're still they told me. <laughs> they told me afterward. To sort of know that, that like you were saying before, this is a business and they're looking in, you know, they, yes, they want to put on a product that's going to be creative and entertaining. Yeah. But the bottom line is they have to sell tickets or a lot of investors are going to lose money. Credibility is going to be lost by people. So... Something like this, like you said, could happen. You go in, you're given the best audition, and they are so blown away that they withdraw one offer to make another. Yeah, it happens. Well, how about if you talk about hairspray? Because that, I, I'm, I'm going to say, I, I'll go out on a limb here, but I guess that would be the highlight of your professional career because you got to star on Broadway. That was the starring role. Yeah, I earned the final bow eight shows a week, I would say. I really, really earned it. You know, Tracy is off the stage for about 15 minutes in the two hours and 40 minutes of the show. So um, when I say I earned it every night, I truly did. And any any five of us who have played Tracy full-time on Broadway um, would probably, I would venture to guess, say the same thing. It's not something that you just kind of, you know, puff your way through. You know, it's real work. Um, that role is very demanding. So I earned that final bow, I'm very proud to say. And you played that for, how long was it? Five months on Broadway? I was, I went in in October 2007 and they we closed January 2009. Yeah, so I was there for the end, the end of it. And, yeah. and how was that experience for the first time when you're behind the curtain and you're, you are the first person? And all alone. All alone. And Shot you out of a cannon. <laughs> and you come out with a really great opening number. I mean, you know, a lot of times shows come out with, you know, the, the ensemble or the cast. and They're all dancing around singing. But this is you on stage singing a really good number. Good, mor good morning, Baltimore. I have no recollection of it, my, my Broadway debut, because I think, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know if I was just really present, and so it didn't register um, or what. I remember at the end of the show, the producer, Margot Lyon, a wonderful woman, coming up to me and shaking my shoulders and saying, Marissa, you're a star. You're a star. <laughs> but I don't really remember a lot of the rest. But I will tell you a funny story about Jerry Mitchell who choreographed Hairspray and went on to direct and choreograph literally everything, Legally Blonde, Kinky Boots, Pretty Woman, you name it, he's done it. 
they were having trouble coming up with a concept to start Good Morning Baltimore. And they just were racking their brains and they could not figure it out. And Jerry was, you know, laying in bed and looking at the ceiling and just like, how are we going to start this? And of course, that is how they conceptualized the beginning of Good Morning Baltimore. Jerry was laying on his back in his bed, staring up at the ceiling, thinking about how they were going to start Good Morning Baltimore. And that's exactly how Tracy starts Good Morning Baltimore in her bed, looking up at the ceiling. That's the perspective that, that the audience has. They are on her ceiling, looking down at her bed. And I just think that is so cool. You got to play, was the last month, or, or, or I don't know how many performances, but with Harvey Firestein? Yeah, I got to do about, I want to say two or three months to the end of the show with him. He was amazing, another masterclass in itself comedic masterclass. And I just, I learned how to really be on my toes um, on stage with him because he is so comfortable as Edna Turnblad that sometimes he would just go off on a tangent and I was just following along. You know, I would insert my line correctly when I found the right space to do so. But just watching him kind of be so comfortable on stage and in his with his audience that that he could pull something like that off. I would have never had the guts to do something like that, but I'm not Harvey Firestein. But watching him do that and watching him with his fans, um, absolutely incredible learning experience. Were you, were you mobbed at the stage door for autographs? All the time. <laughs> yeah, all the time. And I think with Sister Act, I never even signed once, I don't think. But with, um, with Hairspray, it was important to me because Tracy is not your typical looking star. She is not your typical looking heroine. I felt strongly that people who looked like me and little girls who looked like me needed to see me at the stage door. And I made it a point to be out there after every single show. They were going to see that I'm a real person. I look like what I look like on stage and that I took the final bow looking like this. I'm not a six foot tall, skinny blonde. I'm me. And I still took the final bow. And it was important to me to reach them. And I think I did. Can you talk a little bit about the process in the last episode? We sort of skipped over. So we're just distracted. Mm -hmm. Because so, <laughs> that's what I had planned. So can you talk about, I guess, this was when the musical Princess was now sort of just Not happening. fizzling. Yep. And so then the Hairspray story takes up from there? Yeah. So I'll try to make this as compact as possible, but I think this is important for your listeners, especially those who want to enter into the business. Um, so interspersed throughout with Princesses, I was going in for Hairspray. I was go being seen in, an aud in audition spaces for Hairspray. And between those happenings with princesses, they sent me Hairspray, sent me to Toronto, Canada, to a thing called Tracy Camp. And what I, my job was to go up there with another girl, learn the role of Tracy Turnblad while the Canadian cast was rehearsing for their sit-down of hairspray in Toronto, Canada. So I was there for two months. 
I learned the show by watching. I was there with Jerry and Jack O'Brien, Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman. Everybody was there. I got to learn the show from the people who built the show. And then the, the deal was we learned the show, the two of us girls, and then maybe at some point, no guarantees, we would get cast in the show or we would get an offer. It might've been the tour, it might've been on Broadway, but we were young and they needed to find out if we could handle it or not. So on our last day in Toronto, the girl who was playing Tracy Turnblad got sick and couldn't do the final rehearsal. I took act one and the other girl took act two. When I went out to do Good Morning Baltimore, I couldn't breathe. And I, I was gasping for air throughout the entire song. Um, it was a disaster, a total disaster. And when I went home from Toronto the next day or the day after, whatever it was, I immediately got a complex about my ability to play the role of Tracy Turnblad. And from there on out, you talk about self-sabotage. Anytime they called me back into that audition room, I messed it up. I was in the middle of princesses going nowhere. I was in my downward spiral with my belief in my talent and the business and everything with princesses going downward. Um, it was a bad, bad time. They ended up offering me the standby role for Tracy Turnblad on the first national tour, and I turned it down. I, it just like, it got worse. My, um, my belief in myself got worse, especially when it came to, to playing Tracy. So 2007 comes around. My agent calls me and says, Marissa, they just released the regional rights to do hairspray, you know, at these little theaters all around um, the country. And he said, and one of the first theaters that is putting it up is called Weston Playhouse in Vermont. It's a really small theater. They're having trouble finding a Tracy Turnblad. You don't have to take the role if they offer it to you, but could you just go in and show them what they should be looking for? Now he's lying to me this entire time, like a good agent does, but he was trying to get me in the room, you know? He was trying to get me to get my confidence back. I go into the, I said, okay, fine, I'll do it. I'll go in, but I'm not going to take the job if they offer it to me. There's no way I'm playing Trace Turnblad. I'm not good enough. I'm walking into the building where the audition is happening. And on the way out is the girl I went to Tracy camp with. Now, she ended up going and doing the standby role on the national tour when I turned it down. She was, at, she did it everywhere. She was Tracy Turnblad. So she's coming out. I'm going in. She says to me, are you, are you here to audition for this hairspray here, the regional hairspray? And I said, yeah, I don't know why I'm going in. I know I'm going to blow it. This is even stupid, I'm wasting these people's time. And she goes, do you know what that director tried to do in that audition room. She tried to direct me. And I wanted to say to her, you know what? I learned this from Jack O'Brien. How dare you try to direct me? And her bad energy, Stu, was like looking in a mirror. 
And I thought, if you continue to go down this road, Marissa, that is what you're going to end up like. So I went into that audition room and I gave a freaking fantastic audition. And I booked it in the room. I booked that job in the room. I go to Weston Playhouse in Vermont over the summer to play Tracy Turnblad in Hairspray. On my opening night, Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman, who wrote the lyrics and the music to Hairspray, happened to be traveling to their vacation home. And they passed by a sign for Hairspray. And Mark goes, oh my gosh, isn't one of the first regional versions of Hairspray going up over here in Vermont? Scott says, yeah, I think so. We should call and get tickets. On my opening night, the artistic director of Weston Playhouse gets up to make his curtain speech and announces that Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman are sitting in the audience. I panic, of course, but there's nothing I can do because you know what? I put in the work to do this job and I was going to have a good time. I had nothing to lose. At the end of that show that night, Mark pulled me aside and asked me, why basically he hadn't been seeing what he saw on the stage in the audition room. And I told him exactly what I've told you. I lost my confidence. I didn't think I could do it. And he said, well, I'm going to put you in a room with everybody that needs to be there when you're done with this show. And I'm going to put you on Broadway because this needs to be in New York. And about six weeks after I got home from Weston Playhouse in Vermont, I was signing my Broadway contract. And he always tells that story because it's a good lesson. You never know who's watching you. And someone might be watching you that could change your life. And it's something I've carried with me through, through my career um, that you just never know who sees you. Uh, and it could be your Cinderella story waiting to happen. And that was mine. So I'm going to correct you. Um, so that, that isn't a good story. Oh. That's a great story. I know. Isn't that, it amazing? Well, I mean, there's so many things that you touch on there. So you never know who's going to be in the audience. And also that attitude you said of the other Tracy. What parallel universe would you have been in if you didn't happen to pass her in that conversation? Exactly. You know, exactly. what could have happened? These are, I think, really good lessons for people to think I'm too good for this or I'm I'm not going to do that now maybe if you are Patty Lapone. yeah you know an A plus you know yeah. star but <laughs> yeah. you know that you you need to give it your all at yeah. every opportunity um, yeah it was uh it was literally a lineup of fate that got me to my Broadway debut and it truly took all of those things happening in order for me to get there. And on my closing night, Mark Shaman made a speech to the audience on my behalf and told that story. And he continues to tell it to this day. So are you going to be cast in his next show? <laughs> <laughs> I call in my fairy godmother yeah, because really. he is. Because we're taping this show and I'm trying to be mindful of time. Of course, I'm, I'm doing a horrible job here. Same, I'm um, sorry. No, no, I know. I, I I didn't want to stop you because I was just captivated by that story. What mm -hmm. I'd like to do is take a short break just for our sponsors Great. and go from the break to Good Morning Baltimore in case Love you haven't heard the song. And then we can come back and, and wrap things up. Great. Okay. So 
again, we're going to be back with more of Marissa Perry, and then we'll come straight into Good Morning Baltimore, and then back for a wrap-up. Where can you hear the best music from Off-Broadway, Broadway, and the London stage? The answer, soundsofbroadway.com, your 24-7 online Broadway music radio station. Listen to selections from well-known, popular, and more obscure musicals for the most diverse playlists anywhere. That's soundsofbroadway.com. Let's go on with the show. We're all living through an unusual time together, but each one of us is dealing with it differently. Webster Bank is here to help you move forward at whatever pace is right for you. Whether you're taking small steps or big, bold ones, whether you're refocusing on your future, re-energizing your business, or reconnecting with everyone you love, Webster will help you take your next steps on your time.
That was Good Morning Baltimore from the original cast recording of Hairspray. And of course, that was Marissa Jarrett Winokur. Uh, but Marissa Perry did play the lead as Tracy Turnblatt for a number of months and closed out the show and had a great story, which I think should probably be required reading or maybe I'll send this audio broadcast to all master classes around the country because it's, it's such a great story at so many different levels. So we're going to fast forward. You are now in Connecticut. You are working with the downtown cabaret in Bridgeport. Can you talk a little bit of this sort of transition that you're doing? Yeah. And then I think going back to how resilient you are and all these great stories and, and lessons learned, yeah. then segue into the production of Love and Spumoni that was at Seven Angels uh, recently. So you sure. 30 seconds, go. Use your Italian. <laughs> yeah, so I have found an amazing home at Downtown Cabaret a Theater in, in Bridgeport, and I've done a, two of their productions so far. I've directed and hopefully will be directing again once the pandemic is over and everything is safe, uh, but I love it there. Very professional theater. I love being involved in the Connecticut theater community. Um, and like I said before, uh, in our last podcast with Jerry Zacks, I truly believe that to be a very great director, you have to have walked in an actor's shoes. And that's kind of where I direct from, um, is, is in the actor's shoes. Um, and I love it. I found a great passion for it. And then, um, while I was kind of dabbling with the idea of getting back on stage, Seven Angels called me about two and a half days before they opened Love and Spumoni, uh, which is a, uh, a Waterbury-based true tale about an Italian girl named Mary Lou. And um, they were going to make a change up with the cast and they needed to recast this particular role of young Mary Lou. And so the, they called and asked if they thought that I could learn the entire show, blocking words, costume changes. Could, could I do it in about 56 hours? And I said, yeah, of course I can. What are you kidding me? So... I learned and memorized 96 pages of dialogue. I learned the entire show, rehearsed with the cast, um, had my costumes fitted and finished um, starting on, I think, a Monday afternoon. And I was on stage for the first uh, preview on Thursday. It was the most excellent way to reintroduce myself to the stage. I hadn't been on stage in five years. And... Um, to step on stage in front of the Waterbury audience, it makes me emotional, like a safety place, you know, a place where I knew that if I crashed and burned, these were the people that watched me grow up and they've watched my career soar. And I knew that, that if it went to hell in a handbasket, they would still love me and support me. And uh, thankfully, it was one of the greatest successes that Seven Angels has had. And I'm very, very proud of the work that I did and that, of the work that, that that very small cast did under tremendous pressure with a new person at the end of the rehearsal process. <laughs> so now that you've had a taste 
of being back on stage. Like you said, once the pandemic is over, theaters start going live, they start opening up audition processes again. Is that something you're going to look to to do more of? I think when, when you're an artist and you take yourself away from your art or your craft and, and then you return, it helps you remember why you did it in the first place. It helps you remember who you are and that your talent shouldn't go to waste. And though I found ways to make it to, to showcase my talent and express myself through directing, it's important for me to also be the performer that I am. So I can't wait to get back on stage. And I hope it comes sooner than later. Marissa, this was a lot of fun. And uh, I'm so glad that you were able to set aside time in your schedule. We all hope to see you soon on a Connecticut stage. Yes, please. And um, so good luck. Thank you. We'll see you soon, hopefully. Thank you for having me. You've been listening to the Palace Theater's Broadway Buzz, presented by Webster Bank. My name is Stuart Brown, founder of the 24-7 online Broadway radio station, soundsofbroadway.com, playing the best of off-Broadway, Broadway, and the London stage. Thank you for listening. I hope you will join me on our next podcast episode. Until then, stay safe, be well, and be informed with the Broadway Buzz. Entertaining new possibilities. The Palace Theater, your palace, your place. Shows for the whole family. Waterbury Palace, your palace, your place. Waterbury Palace.